The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Ben Strode Bubba, episode 511. Got a special guest, a first-time guest joining me on the show. He's a, a really, really, really good fantasy baseball player, a great friend of the show. You probably heard his Twitter handle mentioned on uh, questions many a time, which I truly appreciate. And you can find him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Tid. How are we doing, my friend? Hey, Bubba. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, for those that live under a rock and don't uh, listen to the Rob DiPietro Deadpool Hitter podcast, Ben was on a couple weeks ago, and that was uh, great to hear him on that show. And uh, regular listeners of the show, like I said, Ben's been awesome between Toby and my show and Ryan and my show and just other shows I've had. He's he's a great uh, listener questioned uh, person, which is great because I, we say it a lot that like I'd rather do a full show of listener questions. So I love when people drop questions because that's the whole point of the show. So uh, uh, thanks for that. But um, bef- we're going to recap your season. We're going to do some just fun 2023 player debates because, you know, we'll only talk about these guys a million times by next season. But it'll be fun to kind of dip our toes in those waters. But as we sit here on Tuesday, October 4th, it's 1 o'clock. Some doubleheaders are playing right now. 1 o'clock my time, 4 o'clock your time. Uh, some doubleheaders are playing. How are we looking in your overalls? Um, so pulling up right now. Um, so I started out the week, I think, in fourth or third, and then I went down to seventh. And right now I'm at sixth in the overall for the main event. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's uh, yeah. It, it, and like I don't want to make people sound. Uh, I don't want to. I, I hate sounding like this, but um, like there's a lot of people that I know in like the top 10 this year, top 20 this year, which is awesome because there's been years past where it's like all these like quote unquote elite and FBC players that have been doing it forever. And you don't really know a lot of the names this year. It's like Jen Stead and, and you're up there and Weimer and Slack and all these guys we know are, are up there doing their thing, mm-hmm. which is great to see. But, um, I'll be honest. And if Scott's listening to the show, I apologize, but, uh, Scott's a good <laughs> friend, but, there's been moments after recording with Toby and after recording with Ryan in recent weeks where we're all like, we're pulling for Ben. So that's <laughs> like, that's, that's really what it was. Cause I, the way we look at it, it's like, these guys have been playing forever. You are new to the game, uh, kind of like in respect well, to NF- their, yeah. and compared to what they've been doing in FPC wise. So let's take a step back again. If people listen to dead Pulitzer podcast, you probably heard a lot of this, but we're going to rehash it here. Um, when did you start playing fantasy baseball? We'll get to NFBC soon, but when did you start playing fantasy baseball and find out you kind of enjoyed it the way you do now? Um, so if someone already heard this, I'm sorry, but, um, I started out in Yahoo and I believe my first draft or the first year I played was 2006. So it's actually been a while now. It's like over half my life mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been playing fantasy baseball. Um, awesome. yeah, so I was, um, I think that was my 
freshman year of high school, I started playing. Um, yeah, so I've been playing Yahoo. I still play Yahoo, but that's when I started way back way back then. So nice. Um, have you always played Roto? Like, what's the format you started with, and what do you prefer now? Because obviously, in NFC, you're playing Roto. Mm-hmm. But um, what 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 did you start with? What do you prefer? Uh, well, back in the early days, it was head to head categories, so it's kind of like Roto. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I, I forget when I tried. I wanted to try out Roto because for a while I was doing head to head, and then. Um, once I learned how to play, I remember like my first year, I didn't really know how the scoring worked. I was just giving it a go. But then once I figured it out, I I prefer it so much more now. Um, and I've never played points for baseball. Um, just, I, I've done that in basketball, but football too. But yeah, Roto is definitely the one that I prefer the most. My um, home league still had head to categories. That's on Yahoo. Um, but that's it. Yeah, head to head. It's just one of those things like everyone's kind of, it feels like most start out there. Uh, because you know we all play fantasy football first, and that's kind of where you, you go because it's your familiar uh, territory. But for me, it's roto like for baseball. Like I just I love the roto format. I get it. You could be dead in the waters after like four months or something. But hey, I, I hate the fact of head to head and you had the playoffs and all of a sudden you had the best season and you get screwed because you had one bad week. That's that's a tough one to the stomach at times. Um, you mentioned basketball and football. Do you play a lot of basketball and football still? Or are you primarily baseball? Um, I still play them both, but. Definitely baseball is the one I play in the most leagues. I I, I do like two and two for uh, basketball and football. So I spend you, most of my time on baseball. Are you playing on the NFFC formats for that too, or does that still Yahoo? Yeah, still Yahoo. Yeah. This um, NFBC for now. Good. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, you mentioned uh, you only have a, like two leagues, basketball, two leagues, football. How many leagues do you have this year for baseball? And it doesn't have to be just NFBC, just all around. Yeah, it's actually the most I've ever played, and it was eight eight so see you, not you too me, many compared to honestly, this, you make me a feel, lot for me <laughs> yeah you make me feel bad because like i'm sitting there i do so many like i, I like to do a bunch of like you know nfbc 50s because i like 12 team leagues or i'll do mm-hmm. some dcs to kind of practice stuff like i know well i think you did a few too and some other guys will and i'm sitting there like when you're drafting me you think no big deal they're just drafting holds set them you know twice a week no biggie but it's like every week it's just like I'm not putting the full attention on thinking of these. So I'm starting to debate, do I need to uh, cut back even on those? Cause like I use those for kind of practice for the real thing. It's like, mm-hmm. is that even worth it after a while? So that'll be interesting. Um, when you did your NFBC stuff this year, what kind of NFBC leagues are you looking at? Uh, so I started out with two DCs. Um, and then last year I actually won a TGFBI satellite. So that was my third league nice. that I drafted. So I'm in TGFBI this year. Nice. Um, and then my plan was to do five. I uh, so to, my fourth one was going to be an Emmy qualifier. Um, I've done those the last well this year and the previous two seasons. And then it wasn't really filling up as my main event draft approach. So I'm like, well, I want to get at least one live draft in. So I ended up doing a satellite, but the qualifier still filled. So then I did the, the, the 150 satellite and then a Emmy qualifier before the main. So nice. My... And you just have one main, right? Yeah. Perfect. I love it. I, that's another reason why we're rooting for you because a lot of these guys have multiple <laughs> entries into stuff, and it's like, nope, I have the single bullet, and uh, yeah. we're to make this work. So, like, we, I love that even more too. Um, we'll take a couple steps back. When did you start playing NFC? Was it two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah, it was twenty twenty. I did during the shortened season. Gotcha. And um, what what have you learned through there? Because like, it's a gigantic learning curve. I really started about three or four years ago too on the NFPC. You know, when you do what I do, everyone uses it for references, and it's a great tool. Like it's it is an amazing format and everything. But I never really got into it. Now now I do it, and each year you learn something new. It's ridiculous. The talent, mm-hmm. just the fabbing, just everything. It's it's just ruthless and sometimes. But what have you learned from the beginning till now that's made you the player you are? Um, I think look at the big picture a lot because um, in 12 teamers, especially on Yahoo, with a, it's, it's like 23 man rosters as opposed to 30 on NFBC. So um, the player pool is a lot smaller on Yahoo. So like you can kind of make a lot more mistakes and then there's still a lot of guys you can add in free agency. Um, but I, well, <laughs> I kind of took it for granted because I, I won my league in 2020. It was an ME qualifier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into last year, like, I don't know. I, I definitely prepped for it, but I, I didn't do well at all last year in the leagues I played in. Um, I don't think I cashed in anything. Well, except for the satellite, of course, but that was, was a satellite league. Um, yeah. But figuring out like the the importance of certain like positions, like starting pitching, you know, I remember one year I had actually my main event last year, I had uh, Kyle Hendricks as my SP2. <laughs> so that didn't really go too well. Um, it's just completely different. Not Well, the 12 to 15, and like I know you tend to stick to the 12 and I try to stick to the 15 now because it's just, I, I don't, I go back and forth 
but not mm-hmm. on NFBC. I don't know. With Yahoo, it's like a completely different game almost. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of able to keep the two separate. Um, and uh, it's definitely made it easier, I feel like, for the 12-teamers because I can kind of like take a, take a breath because it's like a three-hour draft. And then also, too, when I first did my first 15-teamer, I remember I was my last pick was um, oh, uh, um, Zach Plesak. So yeah. it was the year he had his best season. So I'm like, I remember when I picked him, I'm like, I can't believe I'm picking Zach Plesak right now in a fantasy draft. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, the 30th round of a 15 teamer. So just getting the, knowing the player pool better. Like I knew most, I, I'm always following MLB. So I, I know a lot of the players, but not to a level where you really need to know for a 15 team league. Yeah, no, and I love that because that's one reason like we do DCs is to learn the player pool. Like mm-hmm. you do you, you get the, the 15s or the 12s, whatever you prefer, you're drafting 50 rounds. So you're definitely like you're going tw- 20 rounds deeper than any other draft you're doing. So you're learning that pool, which is tremendous. Um, and then I love how this is how like crazy we are with our with our um, our, our game we like to play. You remember you picked Zach Plesek in your last pick. Like we remember little things like that, just like weird idiosyncrasies or whatever you want to call them. That like we remember these things. So it's uh, it's it's pretty funny and cool that you you remember that. Um, and it, and the difference between Yahoo and NFBC is tremendous. You're right because uh, one thing I, I learned uh, this year because I was um, doing content for Fancy Pros, which uses yahoo uh ownership percentages which i usually just write about nfbc ownership percentages my goodness the differences in those two leagues like i would tweet out stuff once in a while like how is this guy like 12 percent rostered it's like ridiculous <laughs> yeah. what's going on in this league? i get it i understand it's more casual different formats all this stuff I, I i get it but i'm still just like it's hard to wrap your head around it's so like you said it's a different animal you can kind of breathe at times do things a little differently <laughs> Um, maybe not focus as much because it's just all there type thing. Right. Um, so, so I get you hundred percent there. And I like what you mentioned with the NFBCs. Like I like the 12s, you like the 15s, Toby likes the 15s. What I would say is just pick one. It is like you said, so difficult to go back and forth in, in, in the NFBC format. Cause for one, the waiver wires are just bananas, absolutely bananas <laughs> in a 12 compared to at least a 15. There's kind of a little structure. I would say a little bit uh, 12s. You just, it's the wild west. You have no idea what's going to go on in there. But um, yeah, so that, that's cool. And, and you mentioned you, you um, you're learning the, the value of starting pitching and stuff. Have you um, this year, especially, and we'll, again, we'll get deeper into it, but as you're competing, you said you're sixth overall, as we talk now, mm-hmm. um, how much have you really, really focused on each week in fab focusing on statistics rather than maybe the next hot name per se? Uh, I think end of August, by the time I was on Rob's show, I really started paying attention a lot more to uh, positions because um, one thing I, I wanted to mention too between Yahoo and NFBC is that in Yahoo, they actually there's a player raider in the free agency page. So in NFBC, you just see the, the raw statistics and it's like, well, you can filter by homers or played up here like at bats or hits, but at least with Yahoo, like they tell you, okay, who's actually been the best based on all the stats. So that's one thing that's challenging. So when I was doing fab most of the year for all my teams, I'd kind of look at plate appearances or at bats just to try to see who's playing a lot. And then I could look at the name and be okay, I kind of know what this player's like, whether they steal, you know, hit power, hit for power or a good average hitter. But once I started looking at the overall more closely um, this last month, I was really targeting saves a lot. Um, and steals, at least for the hitting side, the steals was the one hitting category where I had a lot of make up, a lot of ground to make up, and and um, still trying to main fo- maintain focus on strikeouts and wins too at the same time because I could still gain ground in those categories. So it's basically been my my fab has been speed guys or and kind of average too, or just as many good pitchers as possible just to make sure I'm not really throwing someone out who I don't really want to start. You know? Yeah, no doubt about it. it makes a ton of sense in that one. Uh, you did two DCs. You did a satellite, an MEQ. Oh, all, real quick, another thing you said earlier. So 2020, you qualified with an MEQ qualifier. Mm-hmm. And then last year, you had your rough year, like you said. It's almost like I hope I have the same success you're doing now because I won an OCQ last year. And I'm like thinking, oh, this is easy. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah. a 12-team league. Like, what are we doing? Here? Like, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted like start to finish, like end to end. I was just in charge the whole time. Yeah, a little different little different when you go yeah. step up to the bit like it's it's it, you're learning i learned so i say I'm, I'm learning all the time it's it's crazy what we're doing i'm in i'm in the league where the guilds is first overall right mm. now he is just spanking us like ridiculously <laughs> in that league um so it, it's an experience but it's like you said you, you just you got to get back like your mind back to uh you know this is what got us here let's, let's focus a little more so uh we'll see how that one goes for sure 
But um, this year, when did you draft your main event? Was it closer to the season starting? Did you have like a certain plan in place per se on when you planned on uh, doing that draft? And I believe you did it online. So um, how did you go about that? Um, it was it was my last 15 team I drafted and I made sure it was before my 12s because I think for me it's easier going from 15 to 12 because it's 100 percent yeah so so I, so I focused it around my two um, Yahoo leagues so it was the Monday before the season started um, which was April 4th and gotcha. uh, yeah like you said it was online also and then I, I'm not as smart as you and, and Bloomfield but I did go to college <laughs> and um <laughs> <laughs> that, I wondered you, if you were going to bring that up. You, you had to have heard, like, I was laughing so hard yeah. on that. Like, it was beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful. Uh, but uh, you guys share an, an engineering background or jobs still, I believe. Uh, you yeah. got to school for it. And, and like, I know, like, I, like, I love Ryan's stuff because he can do things with computers and charts that are just ridiculous through that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I'm assuming you have skills like that as well through your classes you've done. How has your engineering education helped you become maybe a better fantasy player i think it's just interesting because we all live different lives but then we all kind of come back to the same game so there's there's ways that could help us out so just out of curiosity how does that make you a better player potentially um well it's definitely helped my excel skills so i'm pretty good with excel which is very valuable when you have all these rankings and stats that you want to sort by and maybe mess around with um i i've been able to apply some of the, the statistics that i learned um with my prep um like with with the projections to get like a holistic number. I know a lot of people use SGPs. I hear that thrown out a lot. Um, I use Z scores, which um, it's similar, I think, but you don't really. It's like a one fewer step, I think, in getting to the SGP. You could probably, it's similar to like auction values. Um, you're just getting one number where you can compare um, players to each other. You know, um, but yeah, it's definitely been valuable. This and also to like working with a lot of data is something that we kind of learn how to do in, in school when you're an engineer. So it means right up my alley. So it's, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's not a coincidence that I've been pretty successful yeah. with fantasy with my background in the school, you know? Yeah, no, that's why I wanted to ask you because uh, it's impressive watching what like you guys can do, you know, Phil Dussault and all, all you guys with Brian Slack has an amazing spreadsheet he uses. Like you guys just make me so jealous that, you know, I, I go out and play in the dirt during the day and then I come home and do this. It's like, I wish I could, I could pull this kind of stuff off, but it's a, uh, it, it's pretty awesome to watch. And uh, I'm with you. Cause like, you know, uh, you know, SGP is a common term. It's very like standard gains points for those that don't know, but that's like a very popular thing, but yeah, there's the Z scores auction values work great. It's almost like there's, there's d- definitely ways to go about it. Like, and it just kind of proves a point I like to make a lot that there's many different ways to go about this. Like just do what works for you. And obviously this is working for you, which is great. Um, what kind of resources do you use to potentially build your Z scores? You don't have to give us all your secret recipes, but like you know, <laughs> some guys, some guys use like the you know, the um, HQ forecaster, they use like steamer projections, they use all these different things. What do you use to get ready for the season? Yeah, this one I have to give Toby some credit for. He um I I take some of the projection systems off of fan graphs, um, average those together. I look at that. Um, I just take last year's um actual stats from like baseball reference. And then I also look at, or I also download some of the uh, uh, fan graph pages for like advanced stats or um, they, they have all different settings for like one's called like dashboard pitching, advanced pitching, um, where I just pull out like swing strike rate or K minus walk percentage, things like that. And so I just kind of take out all the, all the um, stats I think are the most important or most relevant. And I look at all those at different stages in my, in my prep um, so like I look at I go uh, position by position ranks first and then I once I finish all the positions I kind of merge them all into my overall um my overall list and then once that's done I just kind of tweak that tweak that as um March and April go around so I love it. Um yeah. we'll get into your your draft for your main event right now where you again I'll keep saying it's sixth overall right now which is <laughs> like I am not saying it's impressive. It's absolutely amazing. Like I said, for a guy that started two years ago in the NFBC, like you don't see this very often. Um, so I think it's pretty darn cool. Um, what was your game plan going into the draft? We'll see if you executed it. But like, you know, Toby loves his pocket aces. Um, you know, there's Dalton Del Don. Let's get the yellow brick road going. There's some guys that won't draft a pitcher forever. Um, what was your game plan? Like you said, you you won a, a qualifier in 2020. You had a rough 2021 2021 where you learned a lot. So you had to come in with a game plan for this. And what was your plan? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, so this was actually the first draft I've ever mapped out. My first, I think I went like, I wrote down like 20 rounds, but I think I really seriously went down 15 rounds of who I was targeting. Um, and that really helped out a lot. And I, and I actually, I got a, a bunch of the guys I was targeting, which was kind of impressive. But I think what also helped with that too was I was on the turn. I had the first pick, so I could kind of like just cherry pick who I wanted as long as they were still there, you know, I could just reach for guys because I had to. But um, I mentioned before how I was unsure about my, if my qualifier was going to fill. So when I, so it did fill. So I drafted for that. But then with the satellite, <clears throat> I, I drew the second pick. So I'm like, well, let me try something. So, and that one, I decided to go three hitters to start, which I hadn't done at all. I was trying to go more balanced this year. Um, I did do pocket aces last year, but not the best success. Obviously, I said I didn't do, do too well last year. Um, so I went with the three hitters in the in the satellite league, and then I went two pitchers. I actually, I was looking at it earlier. I actually ended up getting like five pitchers in a row after those th first three picks in the satellite. But then when it came to the main, I'm like, Hey, well, I liked how the team turned out. So I ended up deciding to do the three hitters again. And then I went two pitchers, um, which were at the f uh, four or five turn. So it's relatively early still. So having the first pick really helped out and because it allowed me to get Trey Turner. And then when I came back in the second and third, there's still a lot of good hitters there. So, um, I feel like it was just the, the perfect storm really of um, the strategy with where I was in the drafts. And I, without the satellite, I don't know if I would have tried this. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I would have wanted to try this one strategy that I hadn't done in the other four drafts, but <laughs> once I did, once I saw how it looked, I'm like, Hey, well, I think this could work if I, if the right guys are there. So. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an uneasy feeling going, okay, I practiced four times to do this other way. And now my biggest, league of the year i'm going to change things up like that's one of those like oh no that's a tough one um but yeah no that's it's good that you at least got to try it once before you did so because obviously it's working out a couple things you said there again like it's just really ironic that and i, I could be totally wrong but just like how you had your 2020 2021 compared to my 2021 and 2022 and i've already like made lists of things i already want to start working on for next year and one of them i flat out wrote down was i want to map out my like first 15 rounds that, that was like one thing. And then you did the same thing because you look at like Jenny Butler has an amazing like flow chart she uses. Um, Ryan Bloomfield, he taught me a few years ago the way he maps his thing out. Uh, I had draft sheet on the show um, earlier this year and he sent me his uh, his map. His sheet he was using while he drafted because we started recording right after his main event draft and he mapped out everything too. So there's a lot to be said about that. Um, mm -hmm. When you map out, what do you use? Do you use ADP? Do you use your rankings, someone else's rankings? How did you go about that? Yeah. So I, I, so I pulled, so one of the things I also downloaded, I didn't mention this either was I created my player pool from NFB DC um, ADP. Um, and then with that, I would take the main event min and max picks that came with the ADP and I would filter by my picks. So for, so I had like a target, which was like, okay, based on my rankings, almost who I really want ideally. Then I had a safe pick and then a fallback and the safe was basically it was, I either filtered on the min or the max. I don't remember exactly, but I would go off the max pick. So if a player wasn't, his max pick wasn't where I was picking, then I didn't even consider them as my fallback. And then a min pick, um, I think if the min was at, was uh, higher than when I picked, then I figured he, he would be safe. Or I may have had that backwards, but I, I was going off the min and the max pick for each player and seeing how it lined up with uh, where I was picking. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, last thing before we get into your actual picture um you said you had the first overall pick was that your kds number one choice did you want to be somewhere else because you heard different guys this draft season thinking okay i want to be like eighth or ninth so i get a top pitcher but a quick comeback guys wanted the top because you do get your trey turners your jose ramirez and stuff like that where were you trying to uh, draft from this year I, <clears throat> excuse me this year i just as one one through 15 yeah. uh wasn't this case last year i remember last year I, I had like a i viewed it as a big like a top five so I think I, I may have done like five, four, three, two, one, and then whatever afterwards. But I, I really just wanted Trey or Jose or one of those top guys, ideally because of the homer and speed combination. Hundred percent with you. I did the same thing as Matt Modica would just say, straight butter. So that's <laughs> what that's what I was going with as well. Let's get into your draft, and we'll probably go through the first fifteen rounds or so, and just kind of have some fun to see where things went. You obviously went Trey Turner. Not a lot of description needs to be made there. That was pretty. Uh, <laughs> Pretty simple, but you mentioned um, you got – and this is one of the good parts. We've talked about it on many shows about being at the front of the back so you can kind of – you get forced to reach to get to get your guys. And um, you went to Oscar and Jordan Alvarez technically in the third round, which is impressive in a 15-team league. 
Um, what was your mindset on Teoscar and Jordan? I'm, I'm guessing Teoscar power, a little bit of speed, and you're on all the power in the world. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Yeah, um, so it's. I remember as I was sitting in the draft waiting because it was, I felt like forever – all these guys I wanted were kept flying off. So I wanted Tim Anderson above those guys. I wanted Byron Buxton above, above those guys. I wanted a story ahead of those guys just because I thought Man, they, had more, um, they had, had more. I, I got so saved. <laughs> and then um, I don't know if you, so you, you probably have the full board up right now, but yeah. then there was a string of pitchers that went. So I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. Okay. So at least these, there's some hitters left. Um, and so they were basically like the last two of who I had identified um, when I mapped out uh, my first three rounds. Um yeah. Yeah, it's not very it's not very often because you hear about it all the time, and most of the time it's the truth is in these main events, it's usually like a bunch of yellow in the first round. Not so much in your league, which was uh, mm-hmm. a little different than normal. But you mentioned that second round, quite the run um, from picks uh, about 8 through 13, give or take, 9 through 13. So that, that's a big spot there. But like I said, you got Teoscar and Jordan, and then um, came back to 4-5, and you mentioned that you went three hitters, two pitchers, like you practiced. And you got Max Fried and Charlie Morton. Like Fried's been near Cy Young levels, depending on who you talk to. No Alcantara love probably, but he's up there. And then Morton had his moments. And in a 15, and this is the difference, like that some people can't wrap it around is in a 15, Charlie was still very usable most of the season. Where in a 12, he could be frustrating. But um, what was your mindset on this Freed Morton uh situation? Yeah, so Freed actually became one of my most rostered players. Um, nice. At some point after my first two DCs, I just I, I realized that he was a really good value where he was going, and I was able to get him again. So I was happy with that. Um, I know he's not a big strikeout guy, but I at that point with my first pitcher, I just wanted some a good ERA and WHIP. I always struggle so, I, in the past. I've struggled so much with the ERA and WHIP. It's just the one thing I always really focus on when I try to select my pitchers. And Morton, uh, he's been a mixed bag, like you said. Um, the only other time I had him was in 2020 where he wasn't good. So I'm like, well, okay, he, he came back last year pretty good. And looking at his stats, yeah, like the ERA and whip's been rough, but he has a lot of strikeouts, which I needed um, at that point because I, I didn't have a starter yet. He was my second starter. So, yeah, I think he has close to almost 200 this year if he didn't hit it. Mm-hmm. So that ended up being really valuable because with free, he's like less than a K per, K per inning. Um, one, one that I really wanted, but I think he went well before was Verlander. I, I was in on Verlander too, from the start. Um, I thought we him going around a hundred was just kind of low. I mean, the Astros thought he was going to be fine and sure enough, he might be the AL Cy Young winner. Um, so I had like this group of guys that I was fine with and, um, more, more, more was like more of the fallback. Yep. But then looking back on it, I'm like, well, one guy I kind of got, interested in as the season or the preseason went on was Manoa. And I, I've been thinking, okay, what, what would have been if I had Manoa instead of Morton, I would have had like a less more than a run lower ERA, some more wins. But the one thing is I wouldn't have as many strikeouts. So who knows, but I was, I was pr- relatively happy with those two. Um, yeah. There's, there's, there's always a lot of what ifs. That's uh, the fun of the game we play, but like even Kevin Gostin went a few picks after right. um, some other guys, but Hey, it still didn't crush you by any means. I love the freed pick. Um, you mentioned he's a value. I'm guessing that's based on your Z score where the ADP kind of went is, is how you valued uh, freed in that regard. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I think they're a lot better when you look at hitting. Um, Cause okay. the big starters, like they, they get inflated so much because, well, I mean, it shows you how valuable, valuable they are. Like Cole is a, I was going to give you examples, like a, almost a 15 in my projections where Trey Turner is like a 11 and a half. Oh, so 
gotcha. with that, I mean, also you could question how I'm actually figuring it out, but I mean, <laughs> you always say like, you always see the on player Raiders at the S like the SP one is a lot of the times the best overall player, um, yeah. which isn't surprising, but um, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure where he fell in, but I just knew like after looking at his last couple of seasons, like, well, I guess he's someone I should actually look at now and yeah, worked no, out. I, yeah. I just curious. I, I love it too. I was, I'm a big Max Fried fan. So, Fully on board with that. Um, going through round six and seven, I love these two picks. I was all in on Dalton Varsho for one. Mm-hmm. I was team Dalton out the gate, wrote too many articles on him in the preseason, and I drafted him everywhere I could. So that's a tremendous pick in my book, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But then you also got one of the – like in every draft, like we, we knew Phil's year he won, you know, you got the Robbie Ray pick and the and the Rodons late and stuff. You have to, you know, get those guys that are drafted way too late, basically. Mm-hmm. And you got Shane McClanahan at the seven, the six, seven turn, seven point one. That's out of like as we go through your draft, that's the first pick that stands out like, okay, this was a game changer for your team. So between uh, with Varsho and McClanahan, where were you looking at on those two? I think um well Varsho was definitely a target. I Actually, I was preferring a closer at this point. I wanted to get at least one early closer. Um, but I don't, if you looked at my board, like Knievel went in the fourth round, and he was someone I was planning on getting hopefully here, but it's the main event. So, like, everyone, everything gets pushed up like that. Um, Taylor Rogers was gone too, so I couldn't even get him at this point. So I'm like, well, he was, like, the last guy in this tier of stars that I had, McClanahan. And I knew – there's all these questions about like the exit velocity against him, but I mean, it's the Rays, and he had a lot of strikeouts last year. He looked promising. Um, I didn't have him at all last year. I'm like, well, it's the main event. I feel like he's a good guy as a SP three and a good high upside pick. So I, I don't think I really thought too hard on that pick once I saw he was there. I'm like, hey, well, I'm gonna take McClanahan now. So yeah, outstanding. Kind of my lap. <laughs> yeah, it worked out perfectly. Worked out really, really well. So. You got three three pitchers already, four hitters. You already got a catcher in Varsho, catcher outfielder, technically. So yeah. you got some fun there. And then coming around eight, nine, shortstop that I absolutely love in Dansby Swanson. And then it's like, I love seeing this, not for you. You probably hated seeing this, but you, you took Jake McGee with your ninth pick. And you mentioned, you know, closers were tough to find. And when I'm looking at your board, yeah, they're they're flying. They're By this time, not much out there. You could have got maybe a Gregory Soto a few picks later if you wanted to or something, but – you know, Robert Suarez went a few picks later, but that didn't work out either. Um, but it, what I like to see about this is it goes to show you that a draft pick that gets lost this early doesn't cost you your season if you grind on. So um, what was the mindset with Swanson, who I love, and he's, he's obviously paying off this year, mm-hmm. but then uh, Jake McGee in the in the ninth round. Yeah, I mean, just based on skill, I felt he was better than um, – Soto and Suarez. Well, Suarez was just completely like a, a dart throw at that point. Um, and I'm looking at the, the board and like a closer didn't go for maybe three rounds. I think Bednar was the next one and he's on the Pirates. Um, and I didn't expect them to be too good and they aren't and not a lot of save opportunities. I mean, he's been a much better pitcher, obviously, than um, McGee. I didn't realize that at the time. I think McGee just, I think he's just old now and doesn't have it anymore. But um, I, I fell for the Kapler, uh, yeah. Kapler talk. But if we get to it eventually, I, I did back myself up, which helped me get to Good. this point in the season. So I'm like, he was, he was kind of like McClan, like one of the last guys left. And I'm like, well, I need someone at this point. So. Yeah, I love it. And then at 10 and 11, like this is beautiful too, because Willie Adamas. So now you have Swanson and Adamas. And it's funny that um, in a main event draft, because it seemed like for the longest time, obviously by looking at the board, Swanson got some steam closer to draft day because like you said you did it a few days before the season started but for the longest time it seemed like adp wise for the most part swanson and adamas were like right next to each other for most of mm-hmm. most of draft season it was like you picked one or the other basically yeah. and like i could even get lazy enough and go okay whichever one's left i'm gonna take that one that would be just like the philosophy you got them both and adamas has had one of the quietest awesome seasons out there like 30 plus homers just batting numbers a little suspect but in this era it's not too bad so um, you, you you got Swanson, or I mean you got Adamas, and then Kyber Ruiz, who's kind of bummed us all out. But uh, yeah. what's your thoughts on those two picks? Yeah, well, Willie was another guy who fell, um, like you mentioned. I, I did not expect him to be there, and and even when I took him, I was completely full at middle infield at that point because I had Turner, Swanson, yeah. and Adamas. But Michael, like, well, he's just too good for me to pass up at this point. Um, so that worked out really well, and I didn't expect to take Ruiz either. I was pretty high on him mainly because of the playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at least now playing in 15s for a couple of years now, I, I cannot stand having a bad S, uh, catcher too. Um, it's, it's like a dark hole in your lineup. And I, 
I didn't expect to take someone so early, but I had him higher than I think ADP. And then at this point, he was kind of around maybe ADP, maybe a little early still. But I'm like, well, he I expected a better average, so that's why I took him. But the one positive though, why I still had him, uh, he sold some bases, so that kind of helped yep. me out. Um, and also with a, a lot of playing time, kind of dragged my average down. But you can't get the ball right. So no. But uh, one thing, and I've heard Guilds talk about it the other day too, and, and you're hitting on it. This is how like successful players, it seems like, are, are doing things. Is you know we all go into a, a draft with a plan per se, and uh, you deviated from it a little bit. Like I'm not saying that right. you still stuck to it, but uh, like we said, Mo McClanahan fell to me, so I didn't think much about it. So yeah, boom. So maybe you weren't looking starting pitcher there, but you made it work. Right. Um, Adamus, like I didn't need another middle infielder, but here we are. Like okay, well now I got it taken care of because he's better than my other options. Like Gil's talked about having Pete Alonzo and then drafting uh, Goldschmidt like three picks later. Like most people wouldn't do that because they just get like tunnel vision on, I already got a first baseman, I'm going somewhere else, where you were looking at the big picture with Adamus going, okay, his talent level and his production is so good. Like, no, we'll figure the rest out later. And that's something that a lot of people, including myself, probably have a, a lot of trouble with. And you just got to think of the, you want the stat line at the end of the year, not the overall like positional raw, like, stability, I guess, at the same time. Right. So it's it's definitely a, an act of a. It's pretty impressive to see to see that kind of thing work out for you. Um, the next two picks, Joe Ryan and Tommy Pham at twelve and thirteen. Those guys have been mixed bags. You've gotten some goods, you've gotten some bads. Not sure you still had them when they were good, but um, how how was the uh, Joe Ryan Tommy Pham situation? Actually, not too bad. I think my Joe Ryan ERA for my team is under three, so I was able to pick his spots pretty well. Um, I kept him the entire year. I didn't drop him at all. And yeah, Pham's been, he's been kind of slumping lately. I, I think I, he's been draining my batting average the last few weeks, but I, I've been leaving him in there because I need those steals. And of course he hasn't really stolen either, but um, I was happy with those picks. I, I wouldn't say those, I would take those definitely as wins, um, even the yeah. Pham pick, but Joe Ryan was very, for a time there, I thought I was getting a little worried because he kept, I think when he came back from injury, he's, he was kind of shaky, but uh, he seemed, he definitely fixed it and he had a couple of good starts in the year so. Yep. He was pretty good as my SP4. Yeah, a very good SP4, especially in a, in a 15. A really, really good one and a guy that's going to be fun to uh, dig into for 2023 because I think there's a lot to like there with him as he continues to develop. Um, and then here we go again. Like It's just proof that you can make things work. At 14-15, Dahlbeck and Soler, two guys that have massively disappointed this year yeah. um, to the fact that they've been in the minor leagues or just DFA'd. You name it, they're gone, basically. So um, you were able to basically – bounce out of those pretty pretty well it seems like but at the time you're looking for power i'm assuming yeah yeah i remember i'm um, looking so i i took the positional targets like the eighth percentiles from last year's main and i remember at the, by the time i was done i was well over the homer um projection and my I, my team ended up being really good in homers um and rbis and runs despite those two picks but yeah i was just i th- thought i had a, enough speed to be competitive so i was just trying to hammer like the these high up i thought solaire was kind of undervalued where he was going i mean it turns out i was i was wrong <laughs> and even with all back too yeah it made sense looking back on it though from the season he had last year and just overall production we've seen from him over his career like at that point in the draft in a 15 team league that seems pretty good like it really yeah. does and so um, was actually one of my most he was one of my most drafted players too unfortunately yeah it happens it happens yeah. um so i pulled up 16 through 30 now and now i see why you're doing so well because uh, uh, Ben hit on some uh, quote-unquote values throughout the draft. And, you know, Steven Matz in round 16 wasn't one of them, uh, which stinks because he actually showed signs like whenever he was on the mound. Like he actually had moments when he was out there. But here's your backup plan. And this is amazing to me because earlier in draft season, Camilo Duvall was like a top 10 round pick, if not higher. You got him at 17-1. 17-1 because, like, like you said, the Kapler talk had McGee in there and everything. So this came in a big, big way for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, him and McGee were my only two relievers for a while to start the season. Um, so I was very happy with that. And we'll get to it in a minute. But uh, I was going to actually take three. I should have taken three closures in a row, and I almost did. But um, the, the next pick, Luis Arias, kind of – I saw him there. I'm like, I know he's hurt, but I really wanted him. And going back to Matt's, I, I kept him the entire time he was hurt. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, he's p- pitching in that terrible division – Cardinals defense is, is good. He had a decent year last year, and I just thought his upside was too good to uh, let go. And I, I was able to keep that injured guy the entire season, well, most of the season, and this didn't really affect me, so I was very fortunate that it didn't. Yeah. But um, it was kind of disappointing when he didn't really come back at all. And But 
I know like Jeff Erickson talks about that all the time, like keep it on holding on to guys for too long. And he was oh. the one that I did that too. Like you always have room for like one. Yeah. It's like when it starts getting deeper now, it gets tough. And that's one of my biggest problems I have is when to drop guys, when like to, to when to pull the trigger. And it's it's tough. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any perfect formula, but sometimes it works really well. Sometimes you regret it completely. So right. uh, that's the name of the game. Uh, at 18-19, you went Luis Urias and Rowan Wick. You mentioned Urias. In uh, 15s, it's much more important than 12. Were you liking Urias even more because of the flex- positional flexibility? Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I needed a third baseman too. And third baseman, he was yeah, going dry up. So yeah, yeah. And he was going pre-injury a lot earlier than this. I'm like, well, it, they didn't say it was going to be long, and it wasn't long. I think he came back in April still. Um, but it pushed me from getting David Robertson because I was going to double tap Robertson and Wick. I thought about it. I'm like, well, I'll go for the third baseman instead because I didn't know if um, Robertson was going to go that early. And, of course, he, he went before I was able to get back to pick 20. So that was so that and the Morton pick are the two picks that I really wish I could have back. Um, but Urias, or Urias, he was pretty good for, for me while he was playing, and then I dropped him a while ago because uh, Jace Peterson took over third base, it seemed like. so. Yeah. And then like, so you picked Rowan Wick up just in case the Robertson thing didn't work out. Um, right. And Wick got his moment, but probably after he was off your team, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in 2021, now here's like, this is, I'm starting to see names now. We're like, nah, yeah, these guys are probably starting in Ben's lineup at the like last two, three months of the season. Brandon Nemo, who's been sneaky good this year. And then Rowdy Telez, who people know by now, I'm a big Rowdy fan. Mm-hmm. And he's been a power source to get him in round 21. Like, you got one of my more favorite picks coming up. But um, Nimmo and Rowdy on this turn, that, like, makes up for the Dahlbeck and uh, Solaire pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, Rowdy, he's been great. I had, I actually dropped him this past week because I didn't need homers or RBIs anymore, and his average was kind of um, draining mine. But, uh, yeah, he was a, he was very good for me all year. I had him on a few teams, um, and I was in on him last year too, so it was kind of disappointing when the Blue Jays, Blue Jays didn't really pay, play him that much. But um, I figured with Milwaukee this year, he'd get a lot more playing time, and they definitely played him. So, yeah, this is one of those picks where you have to have one of these, I think, to be near the top of uh, the main event. 100%. Now there's another one coming up for Hunter Green in round 22. you got Josh Harrison in 23. Now the question with Hunter Green, did have you had him all season? Have you how, – how's that gone for you? So he I, – I got better stats out of him than his season-long stats, kind of like with Joe Ryan. Um, gotcha. But I dropped him when once he went on the IL. So uh, seeing him do so well now has been really painful because I could have used those starts. And I, I missed that he was coming back, so I never added him back. Or I didn't know he was coming back until he's already gone. Um, so, yeah, he was a mixed bag too. But with him, at least he gave me a lot of strikeouts, which I needed. I kind of mentioned that before. So, uh, And I was able to kind of get – get rid of all the bats or I think his bench ERA for me was like, or his whip was one and a half and on my team it was 1.15. So um, it wasn't the worst, but experience, but it could have been better. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you went pitcher, pitcher, two guys have been very good, especially Miles Mikolas in round 24, what he's put up this year. Phenomenal for a 15 team league. Uh, and then Jose Suarez, I don't know if you've had him this late. I'm guessing probably not, but uh, he's been very, very good as well. Yeah, he was one of, someone I drafted a lot, too. I think he's on both my DCs, Suarez. Um, and I knew a lot about him because – well, I remember he did well last year, kind of like he did this year at the end of the season. But I also played in a sim league, and he was on my sim league. I had traded for him nice. during the offseason. So I – and that's a really deep that, – that's helped me a lot, especially with um, NSBC because that's like you're making a 40-man roster. So you, you're adding no-name relief pitchers and prospects. Um, and Suarez is someone I traded for because I'm like, oh, he had pretty good numbers last year. And then I looked into him. like He had a decent K rate. Well, at this point in the draft, I thought he had good upside. But, yeah, he didn't really last on my team. And um, Michaelis, uh, yeah, he's been great. Uh, the, the core start really um, hurt. Uh, I wasn't good for, yeah. like, two days after that until my pitcher st- pitched again because I didn't have another starter for, like, till Thursday. That was a Monday game Ooh. or something. It was, it was a rough couple of days. It dropped me, like, I forget how many spots in the overall. But uh, I came back, but it was, it was rough. Yeah, no, that was, the, that was quite the blow-up uh, yeah. that took place in Coors. Um, in that situation, a couple more to go here. And this might be my favorite value on your entire board. Like Miklas is a very good value. There's no doubt about that. But getting Christian Walker in round 26, the last pick around 26 is amazing. I'm a Garrett Cooper stan. He's been up and down. He's been hurt so much this year. But Christian Walker in round 26 might be one of the best values you'll ever see in a 15 team league for what he's produced for you. 
Oh, absolutely. He uh, and this is the only spot I drafted him all, at least in NFBC. I, I don't, it may have even been you talking about him, how he was having a good spring training. And I remember hearing that on a podcast. I'm like, okay, well, I was in on him maybe 2020 or 2021 after 2019, where all his underlying stat cast data looked great. And like, for whatever reason, didn't really happen uh, last year. I'm like, well, at this point, why not? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it. so my, my corners were him, Rowdy, and then for a while it was Nate Lowe. So I had three first basemen starting nice. for the longest time. I'm like, it doesn't matter, though. They're all, they're all mashing. So, yep. yeah, he, uh, he definitely helped me, out, helped me out a lot. And then your last three picks, Bradley Zimmer, Dane Dunning, Brian Anderson, at least Dunning and Anderson for sure. They've all had some viability throughout the uh, the 15-teamer. But um, out of – like, and this is one thing that's always funny. You don't have to give me a straight-up number, just like a guess off the top of your head. Out of those 30 draft picks, how many of them are still in your active team? Oh, definitely half, I think. Okay, that's good. That's good. That, that shows yeah. you that you're, you guess definitely got some big-time production there because, you know, they always talk about, you know, you know picks 21 through 30 are probably going to juggle around and this, that, and the other. And there's a lot of viability to that. But um, the teams that do very, very well – they avoid a lot of injuries. They get great values, and they just kind of stick with what works. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Who was your um, biggest free agent acquisition this year? The mo- that produced for you, not that you spent on your best production free agent. Uh, well, in in terms of what my team needed, uh, Josh Rojas. Nice. I think. He was a free agent. Yeah, he he was dropped in my main event. Oh man, yeah. Uh, that's beautiful that's beautiful i guess couldn't imagine getting dropped in a 15 that's wild um and and, well, the, and, the, and the craziest part is he was my biggest i think he was i spent more on him than i did dustin may but i i almost doubled the the runner-up bid i'm like i, I was shocked at how much I, I mean i could use the money afterwards probably yeah. but i mean i i got him at least but yeah those 20 steals are almost 20 steals that's exactly what i needed um what category like looking at your stats now the way you drafted is there anything you'd want done different? Cause you're just like, maybe not as like, obviously closing was an issue, but yeah. you, but, but the thing that this is the part about is the, what you sacrificed at closer, you benefited so much, much more for. And the more I look at it, cause people talk about, you know, taking closers early and this, that, and the other, it's like a good closer, like a really good closer, you know, you got ratios, you got strikeouts, you got saves, but if you're not getting a really good closer, you're mainly getting saves and hoping not to get blown up in ratios where you could be drafting like a four category bat. So right. like four stats to one type thing. So that's where I kind of started starting to maybe change my tune a little bit. But um, what would you have done differently, I guess, which is hard to say when you're sixth overall. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, also too, like, I, I don't know if you saw that Twitter thread the other day. It was about a week ago, I think. Um, I forgot which podcast it was, but it was about, I think it was one with Rob and there, I don't know, it was the one with Rob, um, DiPietro, uh, Phil Dussault, and I think uh, I think it was the one that Toby was on too, and Steve Weimer. Um, they were talking about closers and the wins, and uh, I I wanted an early closer. It just didn't happen. But um, looking at my point totals, everything except for K's is above 600 points. Okay. I wait, is that right? Yeah. So I have 600 points in the overall, and everything but K's and, and saves. Um, so it's mainly just saves is really where the only thing that I've, well, and I guess strikeouts too. And that's, that's one of the sacrifices with um, waiting on starting pitching, I guess a little bit, like I don't, I didn't get a Garrett Cole or a Scherzer who's getting like ridiculous strikeout numbers. Um, but yeah, it's, it was really just the saves, I think, cause I'm at, I'm at 380, which is like almost middle of the road. And there were some weeks where I missed out on some saves on my bench, which really hurt. Um, so, I mean, if I had those saves, um, I might be like fourth right now, maybe. Um, but I don't know, live and learn, I guess. <laughs> it's a good thing to have to live and learn from, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, I know you're smart with numbers and data, as we've talked about. So I'm pretty sure, just to guess, you've looked into this already. How high do you think you can finish mathematically? You've, I'm guessing you've crunched numbers based on your, your situation, like, What's like the, can you finish first or, or is like, what's the highest you think you can finish? No. So, um, I, I gave up first a while ago. Um, yeah. My goal was third for a while because because uh, Scott and Rob or Bob were really high up, but now Steve's even ahead of, well, the, it's, it goes Steve, Scott, Steve. So um, I'm, I'm chasing second Steve right now. And uh, second Steve. Oh, yeah. Man. But um, I think fourth. So the problem is um, 
one thing that Rob DiPietro was great about, he, he gave me like a, told me like how to estimate how many points each stat was. Um, so for me right now, based on where I'm sitting, the standings, a save is like 20 points in the overall. So I, for this week, I have four closers or closers. Um, so really, if I can get a save from each of them in the next few days, that's 80 points roughly. So I could go into fourth maybe. But, I mean, I need Steve Weimer to not keep climbing. And Robert Mershak is in fifth ahead of me right now. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely not an exact science, but I have an idea. I need some wins too. I think I have three guys going tonight, three starters, my last three starters of the year. So wins are like at least 10 points too. Get, get those right strikeouts now. too. Like get, get, yeah, get that's that one thing. Yeah. Get strikeouts and series. Get those strikeouts, three starters, see what happens. Yep. Uh, that that could be fun as well. Uh, last thing I'll hit on here, because I could probably pick your brain for a while on, on different aspects of this. But, um, you know, you're going to win some money, obviously. And um, you've you've kind of expanded. You know, you did the, the satellites, the queues, the DCs. Maybe you haven't thought about it yet. But uh, what's your plans for 2023? Multiple main events. What do you, what's your plans? Yeah. So I, right now, my plan is to do eight total again. Probably six NFBC um, to Yahoo, maybe. Um, and as it is now, I'm winning an Emmy qualify my Emmy qualifier. So nice. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'll do. This year, three DCs probably. I'll do the three pack. Um, a, another ME qualifier for the next season, and probably two mains. I think is what nice. my plan. You only is have right to pay now. for one of them, so yeah, you might as well. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I love love to hear it. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this 2022 season that you've had? At uh, before we move on to some 2023 fun. If you're someone like me who's a listener with Bench with Bubba, I mean, just give it a go and see. You never know. Like I was nobody. I'm, I am nobody. <laughs> no, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, no. But like you hear all these guys doing the podcast, and if 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 you think you're good, just give it a shot. You don't want to jump in the main event, but um, just do a qualifier like I did, and you never know. Do the qualifiers, do the satellites. That's what I've always recommended. Like, if you just want to get your feet wet in the NFPC, they're cheaper formats than the big one, and you can learn at least the the platform and that kind of stuff, and go from there. And you don't have to worry about overalls. You're just playing in one league. It's it's a different animal to kind of get your feet wet and learn. You talk about you hear Rob's story all the time. His first year, he jumped like right in the main event, and he just got absolutely smoked. He's like, "This was not what I was." And, and he's a great fantasy player. Like, he's just like, "I had no clue what I was right. doing." Like, it was just guys swimming like literally a fish in like a shark's tank. So it's a, uh, you learn a lot each year. You're always learning, but it's, it's a ton of fun. And, and Ben's having a heck of a season. Um, let's just have some fun. Like I told you in the DMS and everything, I put some 2023 right. player debates out there. We don't have to go super deep if you don't want to. It's more just like, you know, everyone's already looking on the 2023. Technically that starts in like a day. So uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. we, I've held off this long. Let's have some fun and chat it up and, <laughs> I, what I use, I use the Rasball Player Raider, but I also use like my discretion of knowing, like, hey, just because this guy finished high in the Player Raider, he's still not going to get drafted that high. So let's like be realistic mm-hmm. about the situation. But um, well, Mo, they're all hitters. They're all hitters. Um, Freddie Freeman, who's having a hitting well over three hundred, powers down a bit, but he's having a great year. And they got Pete Alonso, who's just crushing baseballs as Pete Alonso does. Um, who would you take in twenty twenty three? So I would definitely have Freddie Freeman ranked higher than Pete Alonso. Um, but based on how I think I will be drafting, I would be more likely to take Pete Alonso. Well, actually, well, Pete's going to get a boost definitely next year. Yep. Um, I don't know. So maybe with that said, I'd probably go Freddie because of the average and maybe more speed, um, which is, I don't know. It, it's tough to tell, but it, they're very close, I think. I would probably lean Freeman, though, I think. Yeah, that's why I, this one was right out the game. I guess it's interesting because – Back-to-back years now, my biggest flaw, and I keep trying to correct it, and I just get I need to get better discipline in the draft room, basically, is power. Mm-hmm. I always leave a draft like deficient on power, which stinks because I always tell myself I can find power on the waiver wire. Like, no, you can find steals on the waiver wire a lot easier than you can find power, dummy. So, like, like these little things like that. And then batting averages drop so much, like a 300 hitter can, like, carry your team almost. Right. So it's uh, where do you think you can draft, basically? Do you think you can take the average now and get power later? Do you want the power and worry about average later? That's where it's fun. So – I'm probably leaning Pete Alonzo just for my own deficiencies that I have when I draft. But uh, Freddie's – I don't see him being only like a 20-something home run guy again. I think he's going to be comfortable year two of the contract. I could see him hitting a lot more next year. So we'll see how that plays mm-hmm. out too. Uh, three third basements here. You got Manny Machado, great start to the year, just kind of doing his thing late in the year. Not a bad season though. 
Yeah, Austin Riley, who's really scuffled like the last month or so, but still yeah. good season. And then Rafael Devers, it just seems like, at least in my mind, like I listen to a lot of shows and stuff, doesn't get talked about as much as other third baseman, but still one of the top guys out there. Um, so how would you uh, go about those three, Machado, Riley, and Devers? So I looked at my rankings for this past season when I was looking at these guys, and I had them Devers, Machado, Riley, and I think um, I would go right now Machado, Devers, Riley if I, we were drafting tomorrow, um, mainly because of the extra steals that Manny gives you. Um, I, I like to chip away at steals, and, I mean, he's almost – I think he's having a better year than Devers anyway. Devers, he's having a good year too. It's just that it's not as good as last year, so I think that's why he's not getting talked about. Um, and I, I'm a fan of Riley. I He's in my keeper league, and I had him um, in the first draft I drafted. And he's been great, but I guess the average now is dipping, which everyone was kind of worried about. And uh, But other than that, he's great for power if, if you need power. So, I, yeah, I would go Machado, Devers, Riley, I think. I am uh, in, in line with you on that one. A lot of pretty much everything you said, I want those steals with Machado basically is the difference because I'm like you. Uh, that's why the Alonzo picks even harder for me, given he's actually run a little bit this year, a little bit. Yeah, I <laughs> so, saw that. So it's like that kind of makes me feel a little better, but I hate, especially with my early picks, taking empty stolen bases. Like I just hate it because you have so many of those later in the draft that it's like you need them early or then you feel like you get pigeonholed into something at some point in the draft. It's just never a good feeling. So um, I got Machado Devers Riley as well. This one's fun. I think it's going to be unanimous around most of baseball, but I think it deserves some more discussion throughout the offseason. Julio Rodriguez, who legit could be a 40-40 guy, like could be, versus Kyle Tucker, who is at least a 30-30 guy with maybe one day finds 40-40 potential. Uh, both will be top first-round picks, but only top five, six picks every draft. Where would you be going? So I think of all the ones you – sent me i this was probably the hardest one to pick between uh looking i've their stat cast pulled up i didn't realize julio struck out like he did but i mean i the, in terms of um percentile it's not very good but i mean it's only 26 which i guess is manageable now a lot, of that, hits, a lot of that was early too right and he hits the ball so hard so he's kind of mm-hmm. like a tatis I was, I was getting that those vibes looking at his uh page um yeah it, this is a tough one i I think I would lean Julio mainly. I mean, well, if the Astros batted Tucker top three for once, I think maybe yeah. it's a better case for his favor. Like he's a lot more red than Julio, but also Julio's 21. It's his first year. But um, I think Julio for this, the higher speed upside. Yeah, this one's, this one's tricky. And I like, I, honestly, I don't think you can give a wrong answer on most of these, especially this one. Like if someone was like adamant on Kyle Tucker, I wouldn't argue with him. Like mm-hmm. the argument I would give for Tucker is we've seen it for two years now where, where J-Rod we haven't. Like we've seen it for one season, but it's been an amazing one season. Mm-hmm. So um, J Rod's the fun toy. I yeah, it's just the tough ones. So it's one of those like the old joke: give me like the fourth pick, so I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> like let someone else make it for me. But <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go Kyle Tucker. I'm going to just because okay. I'm I I don't like taking risks early, but J Rod is he's awesome, absolutely awesome. Um, this one's interesting because they got drafted so far apart in drafts, but if you look at their stat lines, pretty similar. Uh, Randy Rosarena, who I have everywhere because I love Randy Rosarena, power speed machine, not the greatest batting average, versus Adelise Garcia, who's been a 2020 man as well. So a lot of similar production, different parts in the draft. Adelise should get pushed up a bit this year, but uh, still probably a decent like couple round difference between the two come ADP. Yeah, probably. Um, do you... So was Randy picked in the draft that you guys were in? The yeah, the early let one? me let me pull that up right now. I got that right. Because I remember you, everyone saying, or not everyone, but at least did not get drafted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Randy got picked in round five by me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Round four. Round four. Round four by me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I was looking at their pay. I, they're both definitely risky. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's. Randy's page looks like it did last year where everyone was out on him again. So, I mean, maybe he's someone who can just like outperform his expected stats. Um, and also he's younger. I, I, I want to lean at I think. Um, but I could see that I don't, they're, they're both so risky. <laughs> yeah. This is why drafting early, like already looking at my picks, it's like, I, I could have waited to go at instead of Randy. And I love Randy. I do. But it's like, to me, they are very similar players looking at their profiles now and their production. Um, yeah. So I'd probably go Adelise as well, just to save the the the, the money on him, or mm-hmm. draft capital, as they say. But right. uh, I like them both quite a bit. I think 
I think Randy gets undeserved shade, as the kids may say. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's one I would not give. Let's talk. I do have pictures. I have one closer one because Edwin Diaz has been obviously outstanding, gets the trumpet treatment and everything. But then you also got Emmanuel Classe, who's been a monster as well. Like, I don't think, and he's not talked about nearly as much. He still is, but not as much as, as Diaz. So we know relievers will get pushed up. We might not both take this guy, but out of these two, who would you rather take if you're going early? I think Diaz because of the strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, it's basically the the only factor between the two, I think. Yeah. And because it's so hard to like say, like, oh, they're still going to get you 40 saves. You never know what these teams are going to do. Right. Like you're drafting for ratios and strikeouts at that point and praying that they get saves. That's, that's what it you're is. Right. So, yeah, I know. Good. Uh, I can definitely agree with that one. This one is interesting to me just for the fact that Michael Harris II is getting helium. I mean, with like, uh, I think it was round four. I got it right here. Michael, yeah, round four to Ryan Roof in our early draft. Um, and then you got Starling Marte, who went in middle of round three. So they're about a round apart. Uh, Starling Marte, the veteran, been hurt towards the end of the season, but he's got, you know, a little bit of power, lots of speed. You got Michael Harris, power, speed, lot, lots to like there. Would you rather go with the veteran or the youngster that's uh, maybe up and coming that might be like a first round pick next year if you keep, or the following year if he keeps doing this? I think I lean Harris on this one mainly because um, Marte's age and history or injury history, I, I would say. Um, but uh, well, now that I think about this, I kind of maybe I need to rethink my, rethink my Tucker versus uh, Julio Rodriguez pick because I'm I would be kind of hesitant to draft Harris probably where he's going to go just because mm-hmm. um, I'm not one for he won't be a rookie next year, but like he's, he's he'll still be a young player, so who knows? Like if he'll have a sophomore slump or anything like that. Um, but yeah. I, well, I wasn't in on Marte this year, so I, de- yeah. I won't be in on him next year. So I definitely pick Harris over Marte next year. I'm with you, too. I was very, very anti-Marte this last year, and I will be anti again because the guy's a good ball player in real life, but if you really dig into his numbers <laughs> outside of like one really, really good season, he's not his draft price is a little crazy for me. Right. So I'm with you on the Harris call as well. Uh, my boy Reese's Pieces, Reese Hoskins versus Matt Olson. Olson went at the end of round four in our draft. I took Hoskins in round six. Uh, the reason I mentioned them, both, you know, mediocre batting averages, both with tons of power. Like Olsen, we're seeing the kind of reverting back a bit to what we saw in the past. Still a very good ball player, but not the guy with the high average. Would you rather get Olsen or Hoskins? This is another one of those cases where I think I'd have Olsen ranked higher, but I would probably be more, more likely to draft Hoskins. Yeah, I like it. A yeah. uh, couple more. This one will be fun because Juan Soto's having a rough season which stinks because he's still a monster and would not be shocked if he's like an MVP candidate next year. That's who Juan Soto is. But he went 10th overall. Bryce Harper went 11th overall in our draft. Would you go Juan Soto or Bryce Harper? So going back to this year's how I had it, I think I had Soto four, Bryce five. Um, and I don't see a lot to change that being that close right now, looking at uh, their stat cast. Um, I have Harper on a team now. I don't have Soto on any teams. Um, uh, this one's tough. Uh, my head says Harper, I think. Um, not because of how Soto's played this year. I, I think yeah. he'll bounce back. But um, I, don't know, I feel like Harper has more power and he has more speed potential um, than Soto. Soto's a better hitter, but he's more of a OPS guy than – I mean, Harper has a great OPS too, but in terms of fantasy, I think Harper ha- will, is more likely to give you higher home run steal numbers So, with a lower average, but he walks a lot, so it won't really affect you as much. Um, so I would probably go Harper, I think. Yeah, I'm leaning Harper as well, which I never thought I would do because I've been team one <laughs> for a long time. But Well, I, he was uh, Juan Soto at one point before Juan Soto was Juan Soto. That is very true. That is a great, great point there. So, yeah, I'm leaning Harper as well. I think I think we got something there. And the last one I have down here, Carlos Correa versus Dansby Swanson. That was before I looked at your board where I saw you got Dansby, so I know your team, Dansby. Uh, I know where I stand on this one, <laughs> but um, in our draft we had already Dansby went in round six. Correa not drafted yet. So uh, where would you go between the two? And, and and you can't go to like a Gucci store or wherever Correa wants to go. So you're out. You're out. Dior. Dior. He wants to go to the Dior store. Yeah. Yeah, so this was my easiest one, and it was Dan's being not even close. Yeah, no, I'm with you too. Like that's why I was trying to make one for like the late shortstops. I'm like, yeah. they all kind of like to me. They all stand out to be pretty obvious. Like you're either team this guy or team not. That's what it felt like, and uh, so it was, was kind of rough. But uh, yeah, let me just let me just find one just fun one here. Looking at the um, 
Well, I'll give you one, the SP streamer, Michael Simeon. He uh, tweeted out a poll. It's got almost 800-plus responses. It's 52 to 48 right now. Would you draft Aaron Nola or Spencer Strider with your first starting pitcher pick? I saw that, and I voted Nola. So did I. What was your reasoning, though? Um, so I was looking at Strider after hearing about him a lot lately, and I saw he only has two pitches, really. Um, yeah. He has a high walk rate, and it's first year really pitching a lot. So I don't know. Nola has not been bad at all. And mm-hmm. I know like Strider's a new shiny new toy. So I'd rather just go a little safer with a pick that early for a pitcher. Um, so, and, and Nola is that. So 100%. it was really hard for me to decide. Like, I saw the two. I'm like, well, this is Nola. The way I would do it is like the DFS mindset and everything. It's almost like overall, I could see an argument for Strider. If you're in an overall mm-hmm. competition, I could see it just because he's got that ceiling, but I was team Nola as well. Just because, We've seen the consistency year after year. He just puts up like a low three ERA, gets you all the strikeouts. It's like it's just he's good. Like we know you know what you're getting with him, which I like. And one thing is the strikeouts, like we've talked about. He's gonna get them for you. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll take my chances there. Like Strider's been awesome, but like to get a year of 132 innings and 200 plus Ks again, gonna be tricky. Gonna be very tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's an elite performance. So we'll have to see how that that pans out. He's hurt right, now too. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's hurt now. Yeah, the oblique injury. Let's see, what the, let's see what he does in the postseason. That'll be right. interesting to see how that, that plays out. But all right, Ben, we'll wrap it up right there. Uh, any final thoughts on the 2022 season? Any uh, Anything for the listeners out there for your uh, your amazing run you've had? No, I thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, don't really come looking to my Twitter. I don't really tweet much. Um, I'm more of a replier than anything. <laughs> so maybe you'll see me pop up there. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I listened all year. It's been great to be on. Um, I'm honored. <laughs> so thank you for this, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. We will. We will. I'll get you on this uh, off season for sure. We'll do some more 2023 talk once we kind of really dig in and see what's going on. Get some real ADP out there, and uh, maybe work on our rankings or whatever mm-hmm. to uh, to get an idea for it. Again, don't get out your secret recipe or anything, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll do all that fun stuff. But uh, again, thanks for joining me. I really enjoyed it, and we will do it again sometime. All right, sounds good, Bubba. Thanks. Everybody check him out on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Tid, everybody. This was Ben with Bubba, episode 511. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>